I remember the exact moment and the day that I woke up. I remember this event because it was traumatic for me. I knew that in an instant, my life would change forever. I knew that everything that I ever valued, at least in the past 20 years in my case, I knew was about about to be discarded. And I knew everything would, would be different going forward. I was still an elder for the Jehovah's Witnesses at that moment, the moment that I woke up. I remember being not confused, but I remember finding clarity, complete clarity. Everything had made sense now, and I had the answers I needed. But in having the answers that I needed, I knew that I still needed a lot of help. And the help that that I was needing at that moment was finding the answers or the tools to help my my loved ones. See, I had woken up from a cult that manipulates people, that feeds you misinformation, that gaslights you, gives you half-truths, and rewrites history on you, amongst many other mind control tools that they utilize. My concern was not so much for myself or what would happen to me, but what I could do to help my family, what I could do to help my immediate family and my extended family. I wasn't just thinking about myself. I was genuinely concerned as to how I would help my family. So I didn't have these answers, but in doing a lot of investigation, consulting the writings of psychologists, I think I have a better grasp now on how to help a family member. And also, I know now, looking back, that I would have taken different steps. I would have taken different measures or I would have tackled the situation or conversations that I had with my family members in my attempts to wake them up. I would have handled them different. My strategy would have been a little different, right? Yeah, I I might have been a little too forward, but we live and we learn. You know, and, and this could be your case. It could be your case that you've woken up from a cult or just as myself, you find yourself in a situation where Obviously, we care about uh, what people think about us, but we care more what our family members think about us, right? That's usually the case. And, and the reason is because they're our loved ones. They're our immediate family. They're the people we care most about. So we care most about their opinion. Was, was I able to help all my family members? No. No, and that's, that's a sad truth. At, at least I am still combating. I understand this is a, a long distance race that I am going to have to fight and I'm I'm willing to run the distance but it, it can be daunting on all of us so what kind of things can we do that's something that we have to be prepared for it's not as easy as we think and I'll give you one example when I woke up one of the very first people that I told was my mother and when I confronted my mother about not only the doubts but the facts that I that I now had and these newfound facts or discoveries or uncovering right of, of lies, uncovering of yeah lies that the the cult had poured onto me. Well, one of the things I did was I presented facts to my mother, and I thought she was going to look at the facts and say, "Oh, <laughs> there you are, you know, there it is, <laughs> easy." You know, one, let me let me do the math. One plus one, two. Ah, 
And this is what we all think. We think that we, if we present some facts to our family members, we could change their minds. And we find out, most of us, we find out that's not the case. That's not the case. They're not willing to reason. They're not willing to use critical thinking. Because we have to understand that it wasn't critical thinking. It wasn't the ability to reason logically that got us into the cult in the, in, in the first place, right? Think about it. If we had been using critical thinking, well, we would have never gotten into the cult in the first place. So in most cases, if not all, if it wasn't critical thinking that got us into the cult, you can rest assured it's not going to be critical thinking in most cases that's going to help a person exit the cult, at least free themselves of this mind control, because that's not the tool that, that, that they were using. They don't know how to use critical thinking. So now that you're using critical thinking and you have these facts and you try to present them with facts, you're hoping that they look at the facts, they reason logically, they start thinking critically and say, oh, you're right. Well, most cases, critical thinking is still shut off in their minds. And that can be very frustrating for us. So in most cases, this is going to be the wrong method. This is the wrong method to, to utilize. So what kind of things can we do? Can we do? Well, you might be disappointed in the, fir <laughs> the first answer. And this comes from help provided by Stephen Hassan, a famous psychologist. Tried and tested methods. So one of the first things we can do, and this is something I have personally implemented in my life and has brought me result with my immediate family, is first and foremost to be, be patient and respectful when asking questions. So be respectful, be kind. And why do you want to do that? We have to understand that there is no words that we can say when we finally wake up and we, we want to make it clear to our family members that we don't want to be part of this cult, there are no words we can conjure up and put together for them to accept our stance. So there's nothing we can do where they would say, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You could, you could leave us. You could leave the cult. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. No, that's, that's never going to happen, right? There's all kinds of resistance when we, when we take that first step. So the reason we want to be respectful, the reason we want to be kind when asking questions is because we don't want to be abrasive. We don't want them to immediately put up a firewall to any sort of reasoning. And if we approach them with combative words, if we approach them with fighting words, well, you're brainwashed. Well, you're under mind control. If we approach them with these kind of words, their firewall is going to go up. And there's no, it doesn't matter what you say, what you show them, what you present to them. They're not going to listen because nobody likes to be yelled at. Nobody likes to be criticized. Even when we are wrong, we don't like to acknowledge that. We're all imperfect. But a cult member... A cult member thinks that his belief system is a tried and tested method that functions all the time. We know that's not the case. We know that it's mind control. We know that they're being held captive by an organization, be it the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, FLDS Church, Mennonites, Amish. It, it, all these groups utilize a form of mind control, many tools to capture their minds. 
no one likes to be criticized about their belief system. So let's take that into account. You we're going to have to be very patient. We're going to have to be very respectful with them. That is one of the many ways that we keep the line of communication open. Now, I have implemented this in my life, and I've been able to keep an open uh, relationship slash dialogue with my mother. Now, when I see that she is presenting a lot of resistance after logical reasoning that I start presenting, I see the defense go up. You know, I, I see she starts blocking any kind of logical reasoning that I present, and I need to back off. And that's going to be your case as well. We're going to have to back off. Now, I understand that it could be very tempting to destroy any kind of reasoning, illogical reasoning that a cult member presents, but we have to be very strong. We have to be very patient and respectful of them because they're not going to like you criticizing their belief system. So you're going to have to think of respectful questions to ask, uh, respectful dialogue. And if we can't think of anything to say, it's better we leave it unsaid because we don't want to break that line of communication. So yes, this is something that is a tried and tested method to be patient and respectful. In a lot of cases, people that wake up from cults wake up mad. They wake up upset. And if that's your case, it's something that you'll have to work through, right? You, because at the, at the end goal is you, we have to find stability and happiness in life. And that's what we all want. You know, even people that never got into a cult want that. We want to be happy. And arguing and fighting is something we want to move away from because it's toxic. It's, it's something that we don't need. It's something that we had an abundance of inside the cult, in many cases inside the cult. But now we want peaceful lives and exciting lives, right? Productive lives. So patience and respect is going to go a long way to keep a line of communication open and the possibility of helping our loved ones reach freedom of this mind control, mind controlling cults. You know, another thing that we can do, and it, this goes hand in hand with being patient and being respectful is that we would need to work now to establish a, a relationship that allows us to have input in the lives of our family members or friends, those that are still trapped inside the cult. The reason we want to work to establish, to establish a relationship is because we want lines of communication. You have to understand that in the case of our loved ones, and we all care about them, we all care about them, uh, for the most part, right, for the most part, we have good family members, and I hope that's your case. If it's not your case, but you're still trying to find ways to help them, well, there you'll have to find ways to mend the relationship. Because what we want to do is we want to have a tether, a bridge for them to cross back into reality, if that makes sense. And if there isn't a bridge, then there isn't an opportunity for them to come back to reality. So there might, be, there might be work in the horizon. There might be work in the horizon for us to, to do. It's not everybody's case, but in some of our cases, that will be our reality. So can we do something to create a bridge for them to cross? And can we do something to preserve that bridge? It is very vital and important if your end goal is to help your family members. You know, there, there is a cult out there called the Sanctuary Church, 
and it's led by a charismatic pastor named Sean Moon, and he teaches his followers to worship carrying AR-15s, and he manipulates the Bible with the verse in the Bible from the Isaiah 2-4, and he uses this, he flips this this verse around, Isaiah 2-4, and he tells his followers that Isaiah 2-4 is saying that God wants you to have a weapon. God wants you to carry a weapon. God wants you to worship the weapon, and in his case, the AR-15. This is an extremist group. This is a cult that has damaged the life of many people. Why do I bring them up? You know, even in an extremist case like this, you know, there could be ex-sanctuary members that might have escaped this cult and come to the conclusion that, you know, why even try to help them? Why even bother with these people? We have to understand that these are our loved ones and that these cults are taking advantage of their minds. They are under a mind control spell. And if you have every sincere intention to help them, well, you're going to have to mend the relationship. You're going to have to find ways. So if that way could be uh, just a phone call, maybe the person inside the cult, maybe that person is unwilling to meet with you face to face, but they're willing to call you from time to time. If that is the only bridge you have for them to come back to reality, it's important that we conserve that and that we work to establish a stronger relationship. If we're down to to maybe just texting because they're unwilling to even call us, which uh, that's to my case in many instances of my life with many ex-cult members, well, if that's the case, then that's the case. And now my next goal is to establish a stronger relationship, to move from text messages to, I don't know, to, to a call you know, at least in one year. The effects of mind control are are so severe in the case of many uh, cult members that oddly enough and sadly enough, our greatest efforts are not going to be enough. But like Stephen Hawking said once, while there is life, there is hope. And not every uh, tool that you might employ to try and help your family members or, or friends is going to work. Maybe the tool that helped you which was critical thinking, if that helped you, that might not be the tool that helps someone else. For someone else, it might have been something they saw on TikTok, you know, some sort of objective reasoning they found on TikTok. For others, it's going to be seeing the church from the outside in. Maybe they saw a documentary about an entire different cult, and then they started seeing similar tools that are being employed in their lives while they're in the cult. Maybe that helps them. We don't know what's going to help. But again, while there is life, there is hope. So if there is anything that you can do to conserve that relationship, that is the best avenue to take. In many of our cases, when we wake up, we're entirely alone. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, in many cases, we wake up alone, right? Our children don't wake up with us. Our wife doesn't wake up. Our spouse doesn't wake up with us. And what do we do? Because it could be daunting. It could be depressing. And especially because it's a lonely feeling. Sure, it's great that we've escaped, but it's nothing like escaping with someone, right? Our loved ones. We don't want them under that mind control. 
So what can we do for our spouses? Make your relationship with your spouse stronger, much stronger than what you had when you were in the cult with them. Because the cult is going to scapegoat you. They're going to blame you. They're going to demonize you. And what you have to do is you have to debunk. You have to debunk in one way or another all the bad things are go- the, the cult is going to say about you. And that's inevitable. Every cult does this to conserve their membership. They don't want their members running off with your critical thinking. So what they do, they demonize you. And what you have to do is you have to shine. You have to dress to impress. You have to debunk every single thing they're going to say about you. And that's going to take a toll. That's going to be hard. But if they go low, you got to go high. That is a fact. You have to find every single way. Shine your shoes. Dress the part. Iron your slacks or your pants. For those who don't know what the word slacks is, I had a Generation Z person tell me that no one says slacks anymore. (laughs) Okay. Pants. Iron your pants. I mean, dress to impress. You're going to have to do it because they will demonize you. And the best thing you can do is show that every single thing that the cult is saying about you is wrong. Now, if you do the opposite, which is, well, now I'm no longer in the cult and I don't have to listen to them, so I'm going to do everything. All the contrary of the things they say, well, the only thing you're doing is you're validating what they're saying about you. So if, for example, the Jehovah's Witnesses, when you leave, they say you're going to be addicted to drugs. They say you're going to be an alcoholic. They say you're going to lose your job and maybe even beat your spouse. (laughs) You You can't do these things Because if you do them, you're going to validate them. If your intention is to help your spouse, then none of these labels, none of these labels can you check off. Okay, don't be their statistic. Show your loved ones and your spouse that you are not what they're saying you are. That you didn't leave the cult to regress in life. You left the cult to grow as a person. You left on your own volition. And if that wasn't your case, and if you, you know, they they kicked you out and they demonized you, well, now you'll have the task to show that you are a better person. Not on their standards. You don't have to live to their standards of a righteous and good person. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about Christian beliefs. What I'm talking about is being every single thing that they that they don't expect and also the contrary what they're saying that you are so grow as a person love your wife love your spouse love your children be there for them if the cult says from now on he's going to be wearing yellow shirts wear red shirts if if they say he he's never going to wear shorts again wear shorts again like do the opposite of what they're saying but grow as a person. And why not? Isn't that what we all want? We want to be happy. We want to be successful. We want to grow as a person and enjoy life the way it's meant to be. Okay, I want to go over one last thing we can do. And that is, it's very important that when we leave a cult, we we start doing our homework. And I can't stress that enough. So it's very important that we do our own research. We have to understand what happened to us because it's the only way we'll be able to help those that are still st- stuck inside the 
cold. If we don't understand the psychological damage that was done to us and the tools that were employed, it's very likely that we could end up in the same situation again further down or immediately after leaving the cult in our lives. It can happen again. I'll give you one example. There is terminology, specific terminology used by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And any ex-Jehovah's Witness can easily identify this terminology. And and as a matter of fact, many ex-members are triggered by it in a negative way. So, for example, I'll give you one term that they employ a lot. Spiritual food. Spiritual food. Jehovah's Witnesses love to use this word, spiritual food, to describe any nonsense that comes from the watchtower, which is their governing body, which their faithful and discreet slave. They're, this, this upper echelon of Jehovah's Witnesses spews out nonsense, just nonstop nonsense throughout the year. They, they call spiritual food, spiritual food. And, and I know some of you, <laughs> some of you ex-Jehovah's uh, Witnesses right now are being triggered by the word. And so I'll stop saying it. I got to stop saying it. Uh, even I'm getting triggered. I'm, it's not good. It's <laughs> just not good. But the terminology, my point is, the terminology that they use is one of the methods that they entrap people. You know, Hitler had a cabinet member that described to him that the, the only way to brainwash a person is that you got to repeat the phrase. And this is something that other cult cult leaders have utilized as one of their tools to indoctrinate people. The Jehovah's Witnesses use this. They use repetition. They use terminology. You know, this, this is a tried and tested method. This is one of the tools that can be employed by cult leaders. So terminology. And if we're aware that the effects of uh, uh, terminology, the effects that terminology can can have in our brains, then we're going to understand what happened to us. Not only will, will we identify the terminology, terminology that was used for us to justify their nonsensical reasoning, but we'll able, we will be equipped and we will be able to identify th- this kind of terminology, this brainwashing, mind control terminology in our futures. So if this ever happens again, we'll know, oh, okay, they're employing repetition terminology to try and brainwash me of backward reasoning. You know, this is something that the last president of the United States used a lot. You know, many of them, if not if not all of them, use this. But some of them like the tools a little more, right? Or they'll or, or they prefer other methods. But this is one of the methods that the previous the previous president used a lot, which was the repetition and terminology. He had a way to make his own terminology, or he would he would redefine words, which is something the Watchtower does as well. There are definitions we all know, but they like to redefine words, and they do this just a little too much. So if and this is just one one tool that's utilized. The Mormons have their own terminology as well. So knowing this, we're prepared, we're equipped. We know what's going on, and now we know what happens behind the curtain. We know these methods of mind control. So it's important that we start researching. We start reading and learning about the effects of mind control. You know, Stephen Hassan is a great help. He's The man has schooling. <laughs> he's, he's educated. He has a PhD in, in this kind of stuff. His work is something that has helped me. 
and I'm sure can help you a lot to understand and how to approach our family members, loved ones, to, to help them and, and free them of mind control effects. So we go back to the start of the podcast. You know, waking up can be a little bit daunting. It can be scary. And a lot of times we do feel alone when it happens. I know that was my case. But I started thinking, you know, it, I can't be the only one. And if I found out that I was being misinformed, I would like to find a way to help my loved ones as well. Is there a method? Yes. Is there a way? Yes. Is there a right way? Yes. But it's going to be hard for us to help our loved ones if we still have no tools. If we didn't research ourselves, what happened? Or if we live the rest of our lives in anger and frustration at the inability to help them. There is always hope. If you are one of the many people that have hope that maybe one day I can help my children, maybe one day I could help my spouse, my parents, my loved ones, my brothers, my siblings, well, don't lose hope. It's just going to require a little bit of work. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger said that in one case. To find success in life, he says he would tell you if there was an easy way, but he said there isn't. He didn't find any. He said it was all hard work. He said that is the method to success, hard work. And if that is a method, well, maybe maybe we could learn from it, right? Maybe we also need to need to employ a little bit of hard work in our lives. And with a lot of hard work, maybe one day we can help liberate our family members. But all right, we come to the end. I hope that this podcast has been somewhat insightful to you. Don't lose hope. I know that in a lot of cases, in many of our cases, it's been a difficult journey. And it has been. But let's not lose hope. We are free. And that is one victory over many to come. So be kind. Be patient. Start researching. And mend relationships if we have to. There's always hope. And with that in mind, we'll see you on the next one.